Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 90 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author, media and PR coach, copywriter, editor and proofreader and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content, events and training platform providing success tips for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. Now, before we get into the main part of the show, I wanted to let you know that I've opened up enrollment again to my online PR course and group coaching program, Vegans in the Limelight. I ran the course for the first time earlier this year with a group of vegan business owners and entrepreneurs from across the globe over a 12-week period. And it now comes with a full 12 months of group coaching, including a monthly live question and answer call. You can also post your questions on the learning platform and you can post your pitches to get feedback from me before you send them to journalists. So you've basically got me holding your hand, helping you to do your own PR for a full year. It's a great value program. It's way more affordable than similar courses, and it's the only one that's specifically aimed at vegan and plant-based business owners and entrepreneurs. Some of the current students have already got media coverage in mainstream and specialist newspapers, magazines, radio and TV shows. So if you'd like to get your vegan brand or yourself featured in the media, but you don't have the budget to hire a publicist or a PR agency, then I highly recommend you check out this program. You get full and immediate access to the materials as soon as you enrol. You can find out all the details by going to veganbusinessmedia.com and clicking on the link for the course Vegans in the Limelight. In this episode, I interview Kathy Devine, author, publisher and book mentor in Sydney, Australia. Kathy is the author of five vegan books, Forever 21, Vegans Are Cool, Plant-Powered Women, Plant-Powered Men and Everyday Vegans. And she's also the founder of the magazine Australian Vegans Journal. The concept of ethical vegan leadership as the solution to world peace inspires and drives her work, and she uses publishing as a way to broadcast this vision into the world, and she describes herself as a visionpreneur. Kathy offers one-on-one coaching to first-time authors and is currently developing an online course that will show aspiring authors how they can successfully publish their books. Kathy's publishing focus is on promoting vegans who exhibit great leadership, and her coaching focuses on those who have leadership aspiration and potential. One of her number one Amazon best-selling books, Plant Powered Women, forms the basis for the upcoming global conference series she's presenting. Launching in March 2018 in Sydney, the Plant Powered Women Leadership Conference Series will be a series of one-day events where vegan women will speak on various topics of expertise with the aim being to inspire the audience to become ethical vegan leaders in their communities. In this interview, Kathy discusses the mistakes many first-time authors make and what to do instead, how she defines vanity publishing and how to avoid it, the differences between self-publishing and traditional publishing and how to decide which route to take, the benefits of publishing with Amazon's CreateSpace platform, 
what you need to do on Amazon to maximise your book's opportunity to succeed, how to raise funds to publish your book, the challenges involved in producing a print magazine, especially if you have no previous experience in the industry, and how she dealt with them, how she made her crowdfunding campaign for the magazine a success, and much more. Here's the interview with Cathy Devine. Hello, Cathy. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you, Katrina. It's such a pleasure to be on your show. It's oh, I'm very, it's about time we did this because you, know, <laughs> you and I have known each other for quite yeah. some time now and I'm in one of your books and you're a, yep. basically you're a, a vegan publishing powerhouse <laughs> and we're going to get stuck into that with some useful tips for authors and for publishing and also um, a fabulous plant-powered conference that you've got coming up. But let's start off with what I ask everyone and that's the why. So mm-hmm. why do you do what you do? Okay, yeah, I love this question. It's the best. Um, so I do I do what I do because I want all beings to live in peace and freedom. I absolutely really, really love animals, um, like lots of vegans do. And I've been an animal lover since I was a kid. And basically everything I do is with them in mind and I can't bear to see animals suffer. So as long as I'm alive, I want to be their advocate. Um, I also really love humanity and I yearn for a time when the world is at peace. So a vegan world and a peaceful world are my two whys. I love that. That's so fabulous. And I love that you said that so succinctly as well. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that was brilliant. I love that combination of the, the two because they are yeah. so interconnected, the, the humans yeah. and, and animals. No, that's brilliant. I love that. And um, so now you've described yourself as a visionpreneur. So tell us a bit about what does that yeah. mean and how is it different? Because there's lots of other like mompreneurs and yeah. I, I don't know, all these kind of different <laughs> preneurs. Yeah. So yeah, tell yeah. us what's a visionpreneur and cool. how is it different to the others? Yeah. Yeah, well, for me, this is my definition of it. Uh, Visionpreneur means a person who's driven by their vision and this vision has a higher purpose that doesn't, you know, necessarily mean making lots of money as a prime objective. It's doing business with heart and soul and with a really big, big picture in mind and creating a better world, world peace, justice, you know, for everybody, that kind of thing. And I actually thought... um, uh, I thought I made up the word and I was because I was going through a period where I, I wanted to define to others what I was doing and being an author and a publisher really like wasn't cutting it so because I'm just I'm just doing you know much more than that and being a publisher is one of the tools um, that I'm using to project my vision into the world it's not the end game at all and it's really just the beginning of my work and there's so many tools I will be using in the future to project my vision and strengthen my work around my two whys that I just mentioned and so anyway I googled visionpreneur while I was doing like I was going through this process and I found that other people are using this word too and you know with their own take on it and I'm just I'm really really glad about that because the world is just so short on visionaries and, and we really need to do a lot more of this kind of you know innovative thinking and working because like the old way of working will just produce the same results. So I, I find innovation really exciting and, and there's a lot of hope in it. Um, so that's visionpreneur. And, yeah, I mean, the, the, the traditional entrepreneur is, is someone that will, um, you know, aim to make a lot of money and, and take risks to make a profit. So that's kind of like the basic difference there. 
Got it. Got it. I like that. And I love that you said, because I was going to ask you how being a visionpreneur informs what you do. And I think you've actually already answered that, which is fabulous in that the books and the publishing is are the tools for getting your vision out into the world. So I I love that. That's that's fantastic. Because, you know, because we can all use different tools, you know, depending on what our strengths are. And you've chosen, obviously, writing and publishing, which and as you say, you're going to be adding to that in the future, uh, which is awesome. So let's talk a little bit about the book writing and publishing, because this is something that you're an expert in. So for people who aspire to writing a book, so perhaps they haven't written a book yet at all, but, you know, they're thinking, oh, yeah, I'd love to do that, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. um, What, in your opinion, are the key things they need to take into account before jumping in and doing it? Yeah, this is a really good question. I think this process should be done before even starting to write your first word. And I I would think first up, like, why do you want to write a book? Like, that's a very important question. Like, well, you just went into the whys. I think the whys are always the first thing you should look at. And I think this answer dictates um, what you would do after that. And you should consider it really carefully and be very honest uh, with yourself. So, uh, you know, possible answers would be to share your vision, to get more credibility in your industry, to become famous, become rich, to share your talent for writing with a wider audience or to develop your literary career. And as you can see, they're very, very different motives and the way you publish will differ according to the way you're answering this question. And um, another big question you should ask yourself is, are you willing to get involved in marketing your book and are you (laughs) willing to do publicity? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Very good questions. (laughs) This will, as Katrina knows, this is going to dictate, you know, a lot of how this process goes and what publishing method you should actually choose. Um, And also is, just to be honest with yourself, is anyone going to read it? Will anyone be interested? Now, apart from your passion for your subject matter, do you, you, you know, do you have a potential audience? And like, otherwise you really are vanity publishing, which means you're writing basically for the ego boost. Uh, this is something, yeah, to really to really have narrowed down the audience to make sure there's people ready to buy the book. Um, another thing is, are you willing to submit your work to an editor for comments and reworking? It's like whether you choose to self-publish or you go down a traditional path, you really need to be open to editing. And it's amazing how many people, like, they don't think their book needs any work and that's going to, you know, kind of get, you're going to get a shock when the reviews come in if, if you're not willing to do that up front. Um, and... Also, are you willing to become a public figure and go through the life transition that comes with that? Because, you know, I have clients that they're just doing business as usual and and I'm like, you're about to publish a book, it's going to change things. And just getting the mindset of becoming, you know, semi, even if it's just in a niche, you're you're a public figure to the people that you're, you're the audience who your audience is uh, like this is a big topic I mean that's a few things but um, it's usually something in a first consult I go with uh, through with a client just so they get their head around the whole the whole thing from the start Got it. Brilliant. Some wonderful tips there. There's a couple of things I'll jump into there. Definitely on the PR and marketing. It's like, and you and I have both met so many authors and they think, right, that's yeah, it. Yeah. You know, once you've written it, and even as authors, we know, like once we've written yeah. it, it's like this relief. It's like, oh, thank God, it's funny. And you get that proof copy in your hand and you're like, great, yeah, it's ready to yeah. go. And you just want to sleep. Yeah. You know? But then it's like, no, now you've got to get this whole load of energy to actually get it out this oh, way. I love hard. that you've yeah. said that. Um, and like you said, yeah, as well about, you know, is, are people going to read, you know, particularly if it's in a niche 
niche that's yeah. quite um, overloaded already. You know, what's different exactly. about yours? Yeah. Uh, kind yeah. of thing. So yeah. I love that. You've, that that's brilliant. Those are excellent <laughs> questions um, to ask. And that's really great value you've shared there. That's wonderful. Thank you. Um, so the publishing industry, and you've touched on this a little bit in terms of mm. the, t- the ways people can publish. So it's undergone yep. a bit of a revolution or a transformation. Mm. Um, so what have been some of your challenges that you faced as an independent author and publisher? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, since independent publishing's opened up, it's there's so many possibilities, but the depend the potential to get ripped off is really there. And you know, when I started researching how to go about it, because I did want to independently publish, I just found a lot of scammers out there wanting to take my money. So what I did was I did the hard yards myself and I really it was a real test of wisdom and intuition to kind of like <laughs> say, okay, I need to avoid the traps, but I do want to publish. And I do want it to be effective. I do want it to be powerful. So I thought, um, yeah, it's basically the reason I became a mentor for first-time authors because I don't want people to fall into that trap and waste thousands of dollars on publishing a book when you actually don't need to. Um, so once I avoided all the scammers, the next challenge was to build my author platform. So when I was ready to launch the book, I had an audience to sell to. And I really can't emphasise enough how important this is. Um, you know, this needs to be done while you're writing the book, not afterwards, because if you take, yeah, if, basically if you take nothing else from this interview, just remember to build your author platform because the author platform is the audience and engagement that comes from your consistent promotion of your personal brand and your book. And I, I spend, yeah, several sessions with clients working on this topic because it means the difference between becoming an influencer in your field and becoming invisible in your field. So investing in this is critical to your success as an author or any type of creative for that matter. And that was something that I really got onto at the beginning um, because I didn't want to, um, yeah, that was a challenge for me as an introvert and all that stuff, but yeah, you have to, you have to do it. There's no way about it. Yeah, for sure. Now, you've mentioned you were ripped off by scammers and what have you. So let's get into the different forms of publishing. So traditional publishing is where, you know, usually it'll be through a literary agent. You'll get a contract. You'll get an advance, depending on how well, you know, known you are. But certainly they'll cover all the costs of the publishing and they're supposed to do promotion. But as we know, (laughs) an author also has to do their own. But basically that's traditional publishing, self-publishing. Now, there's self-publishing and vanity publishing. And it's interesting. I'm curious to get your take on what, what are the differences between those because there's yep. there's companies like Fontaine uh, which is a big major publisher in Australia for example that mm-hmm. has a, a sort of self-publishing I guess you'd call it or a vanity publishing arm called Vivid yep. there's Hay House which has got Balboa Press and then there's places like Lulu and these others that mm-hmm. are kind of writers services that do a whole kind of package so what's what's your definition of self-publishing versus vanity publishing and and what what should we avoid mm-hmm. what should authors avoid? Yeah, well, I think there's a massive difference between self-publishing and vanity publishing. Like some people will even get a traditional deal, like what you've spoken about, you know, the, the major publishers will offer an advance and a royalty and that's a standard deal and they'll do some promotion. Some people will be actually offered that now, but they'll think strategically self-publishing will help them, it might make them more money, it might... Uh, they get all the control as well. Uh, a lot of entrepreneurs will do self-publishing instead of traditional. So that's not vanishing. That's not vanity publishing. That's business strategy. Yeah. And um, vanity publishing is there's a few there's a few aspects to vanity publishing. So someone will either do it just because they they think their book's great, even if it's not, and 
there's no market for it, but they, you know, they still want to do it. And someone will advise them that they should not publish the book or they should rework it or they should do something, but they still go ahead and do it. And that's what I call vanity publishing. It's when your, your ego's on fire and, and, and no advice will, will, you know, steer you in the right direction. And unfortunately, vanity, people that vanity publish give self-publishing a bad name because self-publishing or independent publishing, it's a very, very innovative, very entrepreneurial uh, pursuit. But, yeah, and, and it can be very, very powerful. So, yeah, they're very mm. different to me. Got it, got it. Now, I like that, those definitions. So with vanity publishing, so is, the, is vanity publishing, so if you used, um, like, say, one of those services like Lulu mm-hmm. or what have you, where, mm. you know, you pay them and they have this whole package, is that mm. vanity publishing or is that self-publishing in your view? I, th- I think it's getting the help you need to publish your book that, that may make a, an amazing impact on the world. I don't, I don't feel that's vanity publishing. It's only vanity when you're paying someone to publish a book that shouldn't be published. Oh, okay. That's what I think the difference is. Got yeah. it. Got it. Okay. All but, right. you know, everyone's got their take on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So the methods that you've used to, to publish your book, so you've used yep. um, independent publishing. So talk us yep. through some of the methods you've used and why. And I guess in terms of the methods, I guess I'm talking around, yeah, whether you've used, say, a traditional publisher's mm-hmm. self-publishing arm or whether yeah. you've used yep. Amazon and, and the differences and or advantages and disadvantages of both. Yeah, so I've used a few different methods. The first method I used was an independent publishing service, and that was Vivid, and that's their um, Fontaine's uh, self-publishing arm. That was a great way to start off for me because I knew nothing about publishing. Um, You know, you pay them a little bit and they help you get your book on Amazon and that kind of stuff, and they do a print run for you and that kind of thing. Um, but in that in that realm, in that method, you, that's where you need to be careful. So luckily I found Vivid. I didn't get ripped off by one of the scammy places and they really helped me learn a lot about publishing in the beginning. So that was for the first book, Forever 21. Then I figured things out for myself and I moved on to CreateSpace, uh, which is Amazon's publishing company. And I personally, that's createspace.com if anyone wants to have a look at it. It's free. Um, they give you an ISBN, which is the identifier you need to put in the barcode at the back of the book. Um, I really, really like CreateSpace. Um, they're they're a print-on-demand service. So basically, they will put your book on Amazon. If Amazon sells one copy, then Amazon will print that one copy and they will send it to the customer for you and they give you a royalty. Uh, so it, it's it's really convenient. You can sell books anywhere in the world and it doesn't just go on Amazon. It goes on all the... Uh, online bookstores and you're doing that at a click of a button so if you are an entrepreneur and you want to use this book just as your business card and you're not you know wanting to make uh, being an author a a lifetime thing you can get your book up really quickly online you can get on with the rest of your business and and I find that a really great service Uh, the third method is to do a large print run and to sell your own books off your own websites use your print run for your you know, uh, physical book launches and going to festivals and giving books to VIPs that you want to influence or, or you want to connect with and that kind of stuff. So I do large print runs as well. I've done it for the magazine and for, for, for Plant Powered Women. And who do you, so with that then, so if you've got your book on Amazon, Kathy, but you want some print books for yourself, like you say, to yep. sell at events and stuff, you yep. don't use Amazon in that instance. You'd use, say, a local printer. Would that be right? For me, it depends on which book. So for each book, I have different strategies and, yeah, for for what I'm doing with the book. So 
I will, if it's a very large print run, you're much better off, um, you know, printing at a print company than for us in Australia. It, it depends where you're from. If in, in America, it might be worth to just use CreateSpace because the, the shipping's not that much. Oh, but yeah. for us here, the shipping's a lot. But even if you're going to do a thousand plus books, I would do, uh, I would just go with a print company because you're probably going to get a better price. And Amazon allows you to do it. So if you've gone with Amazon and you've got one of their ISBNs, you can still print independently. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. No, that's good to know because it's interesting. I was just curious about the ISBN because I know Amazon can give you its own ISBN and basically create spaces listed as the publisher. But there's also the option of of like what I did with my book, Vegan Ventures, is that I've got my own ISBNs. Like Tracy and I, my partner, have got our own ISBNs, but we use Amazon Create Space. But the publisher's listed as Vegan business right. media so that's yep. I guess that's an option as well okay cool so but yeah. Amazon allows so even though you've got an Amazon ISBN you can still use a local printer is that right yeah the book is completely yours the copyright's oh, cool. yours you own it there's create space don't care what you do because yeah it's all yours to do what you want with that's it. good because mm. I think with some of those others like you mentioned Vivid when yeah. they give you the ISBN so you're not kind of owning your ISBN so you're um, a little bit tied into some of those companies I think when you um, do that as far I as think I'm... no with them you can still yeah you can still pr- I printed independently oh, my okay. books yeah all oh, right still cool. good. I, but it might be with others like Lulu, Lulu and stuff I don't know yeah so it's good to check these out that's what I say yeah. it can be yep. a bit of a check minefield the, and yeah <laughs> check so, the fine print <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. so that's good now we've mentioned Amazon and obviously yeah. you know Amazon is just kind of massive mm. now and it's coming to Australia it now does mm. way more than just books and stuff so obviously mm. you know you've had a good experience with them and I have too yeah. and I use Amazon for mm. printing anyone who buy, buys from Amazon uh, yep. the book on Amazon it gets shipped from Amazon but I use Ingram Spark um, for mm. other mm. places so if I want to have books printed in the UK the US or Australia mm. they've got branches and all of those yeah. and they deliver so what are your thoughts on yeah Amazon versus Ingram I don't know if you've had much experience Mm. with Ingram or whether you Mm. need to use both or just your yeah your thoughts on Amazon versus other things or maybe using Amazon in conjunction with other services yeah I've used Ingram and Amazon I used Ingram for my book um, Everyday Vegans because I I like the color printing that they did as opposed to create space which doesn't in my opinion it doesn't print as well in color for images uh, I didn't have a super great experience with Ingram. I don't know why. Um, so I actually we drew the book. But, um, yeah, I, I do prefer Amazon. Just my personal experience. Just the back end of the website for me is more intuitive and works better. Um, but I, I don't know. That's just a personal thing. I, I would say lots of uh, authors use Ingram and, and it's great. So, yeah, you know, I would look at both. And, and as you said, it does suit you for different purposes and I think when you're looking at a platform you need to look at your goals and your purpose for and for each book so if you're doing more than one book and they're all different for different purposes according to your vision you need to look at all different platforms and be open to using more than one for sure yeah yeah that's great so in terms of Amazon then what do authors need to do to get the most out of using Amazon because I've read that mm. Amazon's almost like its own search engine you know how got <laughs> yeah, Google yeah, it and, is. And so what, what do they need to take into account to get mm. the most out of Amazon I think the best way you can leverage leverage, um, Amazon is the number one bestseller status and the rankings and stuff like that. So I would focus, yeah, everything around that. Uh, It's Yeah, it's a big topic as well, the Amazon topic. Um, The things like category selection, uh, you know, are critical. Um, So do you want to choose a small category in terms of the number of books, like a niche category where there's not many books 
in that category so you can easily get a number one ranking <laughs> yeah. and use that forever in marketing like once you got a number one you got a number one so you can just keep doing that or do you want to take on a bigger category because if you get the number one in there the prestige is bigger so um, I usually do both because I'm into diversifying my risk <laughs> as a business it's just like my commerce degree kicking in so you just like you can you can usually pick at least two categories so I will pick a small one and a large one and so you know, I've got actually gotten a number one bestseller in both small and large categories for two of my books. Nice. So, nice. yeah, so the way to achieve, yeah, to achieve this, it is a bit of a long story and it's something I go into coaching how to do the, how to get the number one and stuff like that because it can be, you can do it as a strategy um, and it's definitely something worth pursuing because it just means a big boost to sales, a big boost to the overall feel of the book as being, a, you know, an Amazon bestseller and, um that kind of stuff. And the second thing I would say to get the most out of, out of Amazon is get that front cover design really locked in and really sharp because, you know, yeah, this is a massive topic as well, the front cover, because it's basically going to sell the book and the title of the subtitle as well. Like it's, it's, it's huge. Um, so what you put on that front cover is going to sell your book, um, especially online when people don't always look inside the book. Even though Amazon have that feature, people are going to look at the cover, get a very quick impression and they may buy it or, or, or not. Yeah, got it, got it. And I like you mentioned, yeah, the title and the subtitle as well, because as we mentioned, Amazon's like its own search engine. So you yeah. want to have your keywords in, I'm guessing, as well. So yeah, no, that's exactly. great. Really good advice there. Yeah. Very good. Now, let's talk a bit about funding, because obviously, even with print on demand, which was made, I mean, I've self-published way back in the 90s before print on demand, and that could be mm. really quite expensive, where you oh, literally yeah. had to, you know, you had to take the risk and have a minimum, you know, print run of a few thousand books. And you, you know, if you don't sell them, they end up in your garage kind of thing. But with yeah. print on demand it's changed things but nevertheless with a print book uh, in particular mm. ebooks are different but with a print book there's still some some funding involved like you say it needs to go through an editor so there's editing fees it's got to be properly mm. typeset you've as you mentioned got the front cover and then of course you've got the cost of printing books as well um yep. so tell us a little bit about um what are your yeah what are some of the the methods you've used to fund your books and mm. what tips can you offer independent authors on how to raise the funds to publish their book yeah yeah my motto is when i'm going into it like any book is to never lose money and i mean that's a that's a good motto i like that <laughs> don't lose money don't put your life savings into it <laughs> I, I see people like you know, they just put thousands of dollars, just throw thousands of dollars at it. And it's, it's just not, it's just not going to help because when you think about publishing, you don't think about your first book, think about longevity, think about building your book empire or building your brand empire. So your first book, if you throw thousands of dollars into your first book, how are you going to fund the second book and, and the rest of the spin-off products and everything that goes with, you know, people call an authorpreneur. So it's a, no, a person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some authors out there that have written books on being an authorpreneur. You should check out those books. They're pretty cool as well. And, um, yeah, so you want to learn what I do before I start a book or a magazine issue is I – just do the break-even point. So if you don't know what break-even point is, you can Google it or you can ask an accountant to work out basically, you know, how much it's going to cost, how much you think you're going to make and work out how much you need to break even. So, yeah, you need to get that fundamental first before you go and invest heaps of money in it. I would say vanity vanity publishing is when people throw thousands of dollars of savings at a book because it's it's they're not really investing in it as a business and seeing it. As, as something that needs to make profit. So like whether you're doing 
things as a social enterprise model or, or you're a business person, the results are the same because like for me, I like to make money so that I have money to give to animal sanctuaries or, or any cause that, that comes up that I want to share my money with. But that, that means I still need to make money because you can't give money that you don't have. So you need to be profit focused no matter what. So I would say, um, you know, when we're talking about the ways to do it, I would do a pre-order campaign because that, and I have done, and, and it works really well because one thing, it's awesome for marketing, it's awesome for PR, it's awesome for getting media, but it's awesome for paying the cost so you don't use your, your life savings. And I think fundamentally, yeah, you're getting the cost and as you go along, you do a pre-order and you're paying for your cover design with that money and you're paying for your editing and you're paying for, uh, you know, any setup costs. And at the same time, you're promoting your book. And, and I, I, would, I would do that, especially as a first-time author. I would definitely do that to get that startup money so you're not using your money, your personal money. I like that. That's a really good idea. And I've seen it used as well in fashion as well. I know Leanne from uh, Vault Couture does that, you know, does mm. pre-orders with a discount or with some added incentives. Um, and it really helps, as you say, yeah, just to get that capital in up front to actually yeah. fund it. And I guess it also goes back to what you were saying earlier about it. All, that's also quite a good indicator of whether there's an audience or not <laughs> exactly. for the book. if you find that, okay, nobody's ordering yep. it, maybe you need to, to rethink or, rethink. you know, rethink your strategy yeah. or what have you. So or just re- redo the cover design or – and it's a great – tweaking moment where you can think okay this cover design isn't landing the title doesn't work or something and you can ask people like why yes. are you buying it exactly <laughs> then- <laughs> yeah or do you have any you know the cut the funny enough, the, the title for my i was ran i was like racking my brain over the title for my book i wanted to initially call my my book secret vegan business and i just oh, thought cool. it was a really cool title <laughs> yeah. and i put it out there i did this survey and basically oh, yeah. i came up with another couple of ideas and basically it, it came last like nobody was oh. into it and i was like oh bugger and then yeah. i put it and i was still racking my brains and then I put it yeah, in a yeah. Facebook group that I co-added ah, with Keisha best. who we know that's from Evolutus and yeah. actually Keisha came up with the title Vegan Bench and I'm like, that's a really <laughs> cool one and then I think I came up with the subtitle so that was a really good yeah. idea of like yeah crowdsourcing your, <laughs> oh, your title or your best. covers is, is yeah. great and people sort of feel a sense of ownership as well in some ways they're kind of yeah. like oh you know they're quite looking forward you know they feel like they contributed <laughs> in some way so they're yeah. more likely to buy the book so no, that's great Excellent. I think um, Facebook is the best place to do market research I mean sometimes I, I just use my yeah your Facebook friend list as a thing like hey I'm thinking about doing this what do you think and you just get instant feedback and it's yes. like if it bombs it bombs and you're like okay let's move on it's like exactly <laughs> exactly no that's yeah. so true we never had all this in the past so it, yeah. it is it's a, a great research tool um so now um well, actually, let's stay with books at the moment and then we'll, we'll go on to the magazine. So my final question, I guess, around books is advanced praise. So getting advanced, uh, you know, testimonials, advanced praise, from, either from celebrities, if possible, or from well-known people in the, the field that you, an author is in, that can obviously, you know, be, be quite helpful. What tips can you offer on how to go about soliciting these kind of testimonials? Yeah, I think the process is really simple on this. Um, just ask them because it's, it's amazing when I published my first book Forever 21 no one knew who I was like I, I was not an author I was just a person that wanted to do a book and I just emailed Will Tuttle the author of the World Peace uh, Diet and said you know I'm doing this thing do you want to write the forward and he just wrote back and said yes and when you need it and I was like what wow it's amazing because he was the one really one person I wanted and he said yes first off but then I asked Lisa Bloom who's like you know 
amazing celebrity lawyer to review the book and she said yes and she gave me a great review so you know it's just ask that's 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 all I know because I just asked and <laughs> that was nice it. nice yeah I found a couple of tips that I found were, were helpful for me was to particularly if you're going with like you know bigger celebrities is to mm. actually write some testimonials and mm. say look you're welcome to choose from it like and put your name ah. to any one of these or tweak them uh, yeah. to your own thing and I found that some of the people I they were like, oh thank you for doing that yeah uh, yeah, because yeah. it just I've gives them an option if they're busy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it does help. Excellent. So as well as publishing books, you also launched the Australian Vegans, which is a print journal um, in mm-hmm. 2016. Now, why did you decide to do that? Yeah, um, yeah, this is going back to the, you know, the visionpreneur stuff that I wanted a tool uh, I could use to share my vision of vegan, vegan ethical leadership as the future of leadership on all levels. So I deliberately and really carefully chose the fonts, the cover photo, the design, the writers and the content feel and the key messages all around the vision of ethical leadership. And um, I also wanted to have something that was intersectional and represented other social justice causes apart from veganism because, you know, we can cannot logically, you know, fairly love one without loving the others. So... You know, at the time of the launch, there was no other vegan magazine in print. So I also felt that we were filling a gap in the market. And um, I did a detailed market survey, actually, and I knew that, you know, what I needed to make it successful, but also remaining true to the vision I had for it. I think, yes, as we talked about, surveys are really important. And obviously, Facebook, you know, it's an awesome research tool. And yeah, um, because yeah, because the focus was so specific, I actually had no idea if I'd sell a single copy. But um, yeah, I didn't actually worry because I, you know, I just have the absolute passion and belief that the future of leadership lies with ethical vegans, and it, it's just such a strong and powerful feeling within me that I just, I just didn't think it would fail, and I didn't think it would fail even if the outcome looked like a failure. I was, I was happy to do it because I just. I'm not willing to do a magazine and put in all that effort if it's not going to be about vegan leadership because that's that's just something I I really feel passionate about. Um, and the other reason I did it was because um, I wanted something really high quality and something targeted towards leadership that I can send to members of parliament, CEOs of big business to encourage them to become ethical leaders. So that was a massive part. The, the VIP outreach was the reason I spent so much time on design and making it fit a professional look that I thought would um, connect with them. Got it. And I think you've definitely succeeded in that because it, it does stand apart because, as we know, there is another vegan magazine in Australia now, which is much yeah. more mainstream with celebrities yep. on the yep. cover and it's in the news agents. And it's actually nice, as you said, to have that real point of difference. Often yes. sometimes in a niche yep. market, it can be quite tricky to, you yeah. know, for both, pu- you know, for two or more publications to exist. But when they're yep. very different like that, I think that that's yeah. actually uh, excellent. So I think you've definitely done that which is fantastic um what were some of the challenges involved in putting together and publishing it and how did you overcome them <laughs> this is a classic one the challenge was i'm not a journalist and i'm not a magazine publisher so, <laughs> so it's like what are you doing so i had a vision basically and that's what i start off with and i wanted to share it via the magazine medium so i needed to learn everything about it and um but kind of not because i realized the value of delegating to experts so i cut down the time required in the learning process and this is something i've really learned from richard branson that you surround yourself with people who can do all the little details so you can stay focused on the visionary stuff and so i'm really the director of the magazine more than anything else even though it says it's the editor is you know what it says on the front page but really uh, i'm just directing the traffic 
And um, so another challenge is printing ethically has always been a challenge for me. So I really mm. spend a lot of time sourcing a printer who would print on 100% recycled paper, but also for a reasonable price. So my wholesale price was good. Uh, so shops could sell, sell it for a reasonable retail price. That was very important to me. Mm, that's an important that's an interesting one and we didn't touch on that with books but there's yeah. there's kind of that trade-off somewhere isn't there mm, like when we're going yeah. with amazon about the printing but exactly. and those but those yeah. are strategic decisions we've got to make you yeah. know we're yeah. uh, you know being vegan is all about as far as is practically possible so exactly. okay no that's yeah. cool now you you i know you said there's certain like speciality shops that that uh, sell the magazine but you haven't yeah. put it in the same way as the the other magazine in this space in that you know a ton of like mainstream news agents and retailers yeah. tell us about your decision yeah. to not go down that route and what are some of the yeah why I guess well or what some of the considerations are when doing yeah. that yeah totally um yeah I basically don't want to lose money because my you know my principle is don't lose money so the magazine is because it's only one Tracy's of the mis- going to love this you know I'm just yeah, like, my I partner Tracy might. is Actually, all that she's such a like business per- like very business minded and she loves that sort of thing I'm going to tell her you said that she'll be like oh gorgeous I like I knew there was a reason I like Kathy even more yeah carry on I was, I was actually thinking that when I was when I was working through just kind of thinking yeah I'm writing I'm kind of just saying this for Tracy yeah but, um, <laughs> but no I, I think it's impossible uh, it's um, important if if your projects are not the be-all and all, like that's not your only brand and you're thinking multiple brands. So the magazine's not my only tool I'm using to share my vision. So I didn't want to risk like too much money. So at the moment what I'm doing is testing the market by selling online and through the selected retailers. And if the demand's there, I'll, I'll sign the news agency contract. I actually have an offer to, for the news agencies, but I'm just not willing to, to sign up for it. And I think the key to this is remembering your core vision and not getting caught up in scaling up too quick for the sake of your ego and looking big and and all that stuff because I have my goals and they're not necessarily going to be achieved by going down the road that's most traveled so Mm. I'm just just keeping to like you know what I'm my strategy I guess yeah so I'm guessing with something like going into the news agents obviously your costs your or your profit margin is going to be lower because of the distributor and the retailer itself has got to take the cut okay got it it. got it and I think that's that's an interesting one because the whole print journalism is sort of undergoing Mm. such a a, a, you know a radical transformation and we've seen many high-end well-known print mm. publications literally yeah. not being able to to do that where interestingly some niche publications are having that success so yeah, it's kind of an interesting cool. <laughs> one to watch but yeah, yeah that's I think that's good to be aware of because you, you're right I think sometimes you know particularly if you're starting a magazine you think oh yeah you know you kind of want to be all in the news agents because it yeah, looks yeah. good but yeah, yeah, at the yeah. end of the day people often don't think well what's the percentage going to be and yeah. and, and all the rest of it yeah so that's, I that's just cool. mentioned that I'm just mentioning the money focus for people to just think things through before they scale up or even before they start on ventures like this just to crunch the numbers a bit and be aware of it. Yeah, no, good advice, good advice. Now, you used on funding, you used crowdfunding successfully um, to get people on board with both issues of the magazine. So it's just had its second issue yeah. out. Now, why do you think your crowdfunding campaigns are, were so successful? Because a lot of them are, a lot of vegan crowdfunding campaigns, as we know, don't do mm-hmm. well. Um, yeah. And others like yourself, you, you went, I think you, the second issue, you raised a quarter of your uh, goal within like a very short space of time. And then I mm-hmm. think you ended up getting more than your goal. Goal in the end. So, what did yep. you have in place that made your crowdfunding campaigns a success? Yeah, um, for me, I'd already built an audience through the, my books. 
So because it's the same potential audience, it was pretty easy for me from that point of view to get to get going. Um, and I, But I also worked really hard with the campaign content. Like the wording was very specific and targeted and the consistency of posting about the campaign on social media was really crucial. So, you know, for people that are thinking of going down this road, I would say building your target audience over time is the best investment you'll make for your future campaigns. So if you're thinking, you know, if you're thinking of doing a magazine or you're thinking of doing more than one book or, or it doesn't really matter what vegan venture, you know, you're, you're doing, you, you just, um, you, you need to, to, to build that audience. And it doesn't mean buying likes or just gaining fans. It means like really connecting with people and, you know, that are actually willing to buy from you in the long term. And, yeah, I just... I just think building a, an engaged audience that's that's authentic and it, and it's and it's real will, will pay off and and you you will you know you will leverage from that audience every time you do a campaign and, yeah. and it's really it's really about being you know a sincere person and 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 really focusing on personal branding because personal branding is something that people don't really look at very much but you know when people are buying your product they're buying you as much yeah. as they're buying the product <laughs> and um you know you can you can say you can just put your product out there and not care about what you're doing online and, and how you're presenting yourself at festivals or in person or online whatever they're actually buying you you because they trust you and, and there's a lot of trust with campaigns as well so if they trust you as a person that you're sincere you're authentic you're doing things for for the right reasons they will support and i've you know, core supporters that will just say, email me, they say, whatever you're doing, we're going to jump on it. And that's because of building up that trust over the years. So for anyone that's that's sort of doing a venture that aren't they aren't very well known in the vegan community in their country or, or whatever, I would say, you know, start to build some trust and some authenticity with people um, before you launch the campaign. Yeah, that's really good advice. And it's all about that. And there's no shortcuts to that either. There's you know, yeah. you've just literally got to put in those hard yards of, you know, being up to either getting up really early if you're a morning person or if you're a <laughs> night owl like me, staying up late yeah. doing that stuff. And there is no shortcuts to that. Yeah, you can sure you can throw a ton of ad, you know, paid advertising on it and yeah. you can speed the process up a little yeah, bit. But, I do that too. But yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, you you, yeah. you have just got to do that so that people do get to know you and get to talk about you. And like you say, you know, people just, you know, they love what you're doing the like or whatever Kathy's doing yeah I'm going to support it and that takes yeah. time to, to do that and, and you're yeah. right about being real and developing those relationships and collaborating yeah yeah, yeah. fantastic yeah and so, I think um, yeah. oh, just, oh sorry I was just going to and staying humble and not and not making it about you making it about the cause or making it about you know the animals because that's in at the end of the day that that's what we're, we're all striving for and, and I see some people they get a little bit vegan famous as I call it and it becomes <laughs> <laughs> it becomes about them and you just don't want to go down that road it just won't you know just keep your ego in check basically <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah. no very good advice so just back onto the the publishing with the authors what are yep. some of the key mistakes independent authors make and what should they do instead yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think we can't, yeah, we touched a little bit about this, about like once you write the book, someone will do like one post saying my book's out and that's the first you've heard about it and then they just think the sales are going to magically roll in and, and they don't pre-promote and they don't pre-sell and then they've spent all their money on it and then they're disappointed when that tactic doesn't work. I, I like to say to authors I work with, bring the audience along with you on the journey. So I have no fear in telling people up front I'm doing a book or doing something and just and just taking them along with me and, and, and a lot of people will be scared to do that but 
people will get involved in it. They're invested. They're backing you. They're, they're hoping you're successful. And I would say at every stage of the book's uh, you know, journey, just, just talk about it. Um, yeah. And um, some people don't get their book edited. That's, that's a mistake. Uh, yes. And cover design, they do it themselves. That's that's a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're a graphic designer, I guess. But yeah, yeah even then, a, even yeah. then, it's probably still a good idea to have a, a third Second person. Second yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Another thing I find weird is people on Facebook on their personal page, they don't put a link in their about page to anything they're doing, like website links and stuff like that. And even though you've got a business page, people are on your personal page all the time. Yeah. So use that about page to actually link to your books and and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I can talk about what people should do instead of the mistakes, if you like. Um, sure, yeah, just give us a couple of tips on what they should do. Yeah, instead. I mean, definitely build your personal brand, definitely collaborate and, and build genuine connections. Yeah, and just talk about your book nonstop before you, before you launch it. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's funny because we, I think we were talking about that. I think it was you that put a post up about that, about oh, yeah. PR and marketing, about oh, yeah, how a lot yeah, of vegans yeah. are like, they're, they're, we're yeah. terrified of like, oh, my God, you know, we don't want to post yeah. too much. And look, there's a fine balance because oh, you don't yeah. want your whole world to be, buy my book, here's my book. Yeah, you know, yeah, you've yeah. got to pepper it with some useful, you know, other kind of entertaining kind of things. Yeah, but not be afraid of it. Exactly, exactly. So you offer book mentoring services and I, you're also yeah. putting together an online course for first-time yeah. authors which would be great and we'll provide mm. links to that on the show notes page of how people can find out about that so what kind of yeah. thing do you do with authors then like what's the benefits of them of, of having a mentor such as yourself I guess yeah the benefit is someone that's already done it they've already done all the hard work and they've you know gone through the whole process so I can give people a timeline so this is what you do first is what you do second is what you do third this is what you do through the whole process and you know the, the experience I've had so far with authors they're like oh my god I'm so glad I came to you because I wouldn't have any idea I had to have, this was all involved they just thought they're going to write the book and put the link <laughs> on their Facebook and everyone's going to buy it and I'm like well you could try that but mainly it doesn't work um, so and yeah I, I work on a lot of personal branding with them people you know creating awareness about them as a person and their book and if they've already got social media pages I'll have a look at them and see if they need reinventing or like rebranding and stuff because sometimes they do and we really really go over how to make a mega successful cover design because that's going to make or break the book um you know we'll go through or amazon ranking you know potential number one stuff like that um and because you know there's a survey that came out of the new york times that said 82 percent of people dream of becoming a published author and i think that's a massive percentage wow. whether that's true or not i don't know but that's a huge amount of people that wish they could be authors and i'll just say to anyone listening that you know, now more than ever, it is actually possible because there's so much technology we can even use from home to to create to create books and become publishers. And I've done about seven years, you know, in the business of, of independent publishing, so I can help people. Even if you don't think you're a great writer, there are, you know, ways ways around that as well with ghostwriting and getting people to help you write your book and stuff like that. So the writing isn't the issue for me. It's more about the marketing and the branding that will actually get you to sell books. Uh, you know, I do a lot on that. Yeah, nice. No, I like that. I like that. Um, that's great. And I say it's good to have someone, like you say, who's been in the trenches to to just yeah. guide you through um, the 
yeah, the the pro the what am I talk, what am I trying to say? Guide you through the process. That's the word I'm looking yeah. for. <laughs> Excellent. Now, one of your books, and I love that you mentioned on this earlier. You talked about authorpreneurship, so the, and also yep. with the visionpreneur, the the books and the publication, uh, the magazine are a one tool that you use to share your vision. And another tool you're now li- using is taking one of your books, the book's titled Plant Powered Women, and turning mm-hmm. that into a conference series, which is very exciting. And mm-hmm. that's kicking off next year. The first one's kicking off. Um, next year it's a leadership um conference series in march 2018 in sydney um Mm -hmm. tell us a bit about that why you're doing it and what the aim of it is yeah this is really fun um so basically the conference is a tool that i'm using to share my vision that i believe that the feminine you know takes on the majority of leadership roles in the future of our planet and because I can think of no one better suited to being a leader than a vegan woman who has all of the ethics and compassionate grounding that a great leader should have. And when we see the constant threat of war and devastation that war has caused, I logically and urgently see the need for compassionate, like gentle but powerful leadership to be implemented like right now. So the situation, you know, it's forever urgent and we really need vegan women to step up and have the confidence to take on positions of authority wherever possible. And like I just see so many talented and intelligent vegan women in the world, but they're not always given the opportunity to speak. So I've created this series of events that says to women, this is your stage, this is your moment in the spotlight. You know, your views, your visions are important and they are much needed. So I'm just, um, you know, I'm just encouraging women to, to speak up and be heard. And really the aim uh, is to give the speakers more confidence to seek out more speaking gigs and the audience the inspiration to also go forth and become leaders in their field. And these events are open to all people on this planet who have a vision for a peaceful kind of world, you know, where compassionate people lead and rightly guide us into a better future for all. Fantastic. And I love that the focus is on women because, uh, yeah. you know, obviously that was, we've seen even in vegan and animal rights circles, there's certainly, if we look yeah. at the sort of gender balance, there certainly seems to be, um, in general, you know, um, mm. yeah, m- more men sort of getting quite a lot of the attention. So I like the fact that you're yeah giving women that space to step yeah. up and be able to have their time, as you say, in the, in the limelight. Um, so the word leadership, now it's a little bit of a buzzword, you know, in corporate Mm. circles in particular so I'm curious what does leadership mean to you yeah yeah it is a great question because it does mean things to different people and you know we're constantly reinventing definitions of words so um leadership to me is about ethics so it's not just about the technical capabilities of a leader it's about being aware of the big responsibility of the position and leading according to conscience you know, it's less about rhetoric and more about heart, soul, compassion, innate intelligence, and really about a sincerity to serve for the highest good of everybody, including animals, minority groups, you know, disadvantaged you know, human groups. Mm. So, you know, it's considering absolutely everybody and leading with love and compassion as a driving force. So, you know, what a world that would create if we had such leaders. That's, oh, that's... absolutely. I like, I like your definition. I think the dictionary should all change now to have exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think it's lots of people's definitions and I think everybody's crying out for this kind of leadership to take hold. And I just want to further encourage people that, you know, if you have some idea about going into politics or, you, or you, you know, you want to be the CEO of the company you work for, put yourself forward. And especially to women who don't tend to put themselves forward but are very, very capable 
capable, mm. I would just urge you to do it like tomorrow. <laughs> Absolutely. And we'll put a link to the show notes page for the conference. So I've got a couple okay. more questions um, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. So one is about book launches. Um, mm-hmm. How important nowadays is a physical in-person book launch? Mm, I think it still as relevant as ever because, you know, for a few reasons, everybody has ebooks these days. Like lots of people, lots of business people have ebooks. And I think the way to stand out is to publish a print book and do a physical launch with your print book. Um, because when you think about it, like you can't really give an ebook to a key influence a key influencer in person and you can't get a photo with them to promote your book like you can't stand there with a usb stick (laughs) saying this is my book (laughs) it doesn't look as effective as having holding an actual book so for photo opportunities for that kind of stuff for giving to vips to, to, to get you know to increase your your personal branding i reckon physical book launches are still are still as relevant as ever and people really they crave authenticity these days and they want to meet you in person there's so much online activity like when somebody is somebody meets an author in person they're still getting a thrill out of that it's still a buzz and there's not m- many things people are still getting a buzz out of so i would say yeah it's still cool to it <laughs> yeah because i know there's online book launches i guess yeah. that's their own advantages but it's yeah, interesting for what sure. you say. when i was at london Bedfest uk two years ago when i was launching my book i had someone come over and i had my banner up you know with the picture and then someone came yeah. over and then they looked at the picture and they looked at me and they yeah. went oh it's you and they were yeah. like it's nice. and she said, listen, i'm really impressed that you're on your own stall and i yeah thought, right. oh, interesting i said oh yeah you know i'm happy happy like me to but that's why you know when I'm at an event you know of course I'll go off to the loo and you know have a uh, you know have a quick lunch but I actually like to Mm. be on the store because people you're right people do want that they want to come up and they maybe want you know they want you to sign it and that's a nice little ego boost let's be perfect and you need that after all the hard work yeah it's it's nice that you make that connection and also it's nice for you I think it's good for the author as well to find out right who's buying why are they buying it yes and that's and that's pretty good intel for you as you say for a business definitely what else do you need kind of thing you know what other support or what other need what else would you like to see fantastic so for the future then um Mm -hmm. what's your long-term vision for yourself and your brands Mm. I think like my long-term personal vision is to live in a world where we're all at peace and there's mutual respect and caring for everybody you know including human animals and nature and I guess then I'm going to retire from the vision for no life and just play the drums and do things I enjoy. But <laughs> and, and <laughs> until then, like I know that that may be a way off. I'm just going to work in every way I know how with every tool available, you know, to foster a supportive environment where ethical vegans feel encouraged to take their place as leaders in the world. I mean, that's all I'm going to do until I see vegan leadership everywhere. <laughs> Fantastic. I love that. Kathy. you shared some really great intel here. And obviously with book publishing, book writing and publishing, it is a massive topic. And so yeah. if you are a first-time author, you know, Kathy is a perfect person for you to, um, yeah, to hire as a mentor to guide you through that process. And I say we'll put links to how you can uh, do that and how you can also find out more about her upcoming online course. So thank you so much for sharing all thank this you, information. Katrina. I, mean, I should say to the audience, Kathy and I are friends. We've known each other. It's always nice to, yeah, yeah. Get someone like yourself on the show. So I really appreciate you sharing all that valuable information. Thank you very much for joining me, Kathy. It's a pleasure, absolute pleasure. Thank you, Katrina. So that was Kathy Devine, author, publisher, and book mentor. You can find out more at kathydevine.com. And that link is on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts and going to episode 90. 
Now for our vegan business news roundup. A vegan jerky made of kelp has just been launched by plant-based brand Beyond the Shoreline, reports Veg News. The New York-based company has created the innovative product by blanching, freezing and defrosting kelp. It's then mixed with mushrooms, sweetened with monk fruit and seasoned with nutritional yeast before it's emulsified, extruded and dehydrated. And the vegan jerky, which is set to launch in January 2018, is just the first of the company's planned offerings. Co-founder Courtney Boyd-Myers said, We've already got recipes in development for burgers, sausages, instant seaweed stews and vegan bone broth. And we want to establish Beyond the Shoreline as a household brand for sea green based products. The kelp jerky will initially be offered in three flavours, barbecue, high tide, that's T-H-A-I-D, and sea salt. Fantastic! Another product providing a tasty alternative, this time to meat-based jerky. Plant-based beverage brand Califia Farms has secured a $15 million lease from finance company CapEx Partners to expand its production lines, reports BevNet. The Los Angeles-based company, which makes a range of plant-based milks, creamers and cold brew coffee, was named one of the most innovative consumer brands of 2016 by Forbes magazine. Rising demand for its products has seen it expand into Canada, Australia and the UK. The new lease will be used to expand Califia Farms' distribution and bottling plant located in Bakersfield. Richard Bollinger, Managing Director at CapEx Partners, said, CapEx enjoys working with strong leaders and growing companies. Califia Farms is a familiar household brand recognised as a market leader across multiple categories. The addition of these capital assets will help the company keep up with demand and continue their global expansion. Great to see another plant-based company seeing success and catching the eye of a finance firm to help it grow. Finally, Sheffy 101, a vegan meal planning service in Atlanta, Georgia, has launched an app to help travellers within the US find plant-based options at the airport. Air Vegan is available as an iPhone or Android app. It lets you know which airports are vegan-friendly, as well as which terminal you can find plant-based options at. The colour coding feature lets vegans and vegetarians know ahead of time if their airport has food options for them, so they can better prepare for their trip. Founder Saba Mallory says Air Vegan is the only vegan food directory app designed specifically for the airport. At the moment, the app features US airports only, but Mallory plans to add European ones in the next release and will continue to add international ones down the track. The app costs $1 for Android and $1.99 for iPhone. So this sounds like a handy app to have when you're travelling. Although I bring vegan food with me for the plane, it would be good to support vegan outlets at airports. And of course, if you get stuck and you don't have food with you, good to know which non-vegan outlets have plant-based options. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. 
If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave it a review and rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. Finally, I encourage you to head over to veganbusinessmedia.com where you can find more resources, including details of my media and PR consultations, copywriting, editing and proofreading services to help you grow your vegan business. I'm Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business, and I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now. 